All right, how's everybody doing? Welcome back to You Don't Know About episode 55. We're so glad to have you all back. As you can see, things are a little bit different today. Me and Hunter remote, experimenting with new technology because we want to start bringing you all two episodes a week, a recap and then look into the future, looking into some narratives that are brewing, you know, different storylines. We wanted to separate the two. So today you caught us remote. We're doing the recap of the, you know, last week. And we're excited to have you guys. You know, Hunter, it was another crazy week again. And, uh, you know, I think we're excited to just get right into it. Yeah, I think a game that not a lot of people were expecting to be the score was Denver at KC. Um, So I'll ask the question, like, are the Chiefs unbeatable? Well, I'll say, number one, as we saw, the recipe to beat them is what we saw week one. And like I said, look, and I've said this before on the show, I'm going to keep going back to it because I was one of the people who was underselling it. My big thing now is... Week one, the, the Lions really showed us how to beat the Chiefs. And the narrative kind of was at the time, you know, what's well, week one? And yeah, and it is still true. Like, things are not going to be fully in place. And, the, you know, everyone's going to look rusty to, a, to an extent. However, the Lions gave us the recipe to beat the Chiefs. You've got to shut down the run. You've got to just play sticky, get the receivers out of the game, get in their head. And because with Mahomes, Mahomes make it work no matter what. If a receiver is even playing at 30% of the capacity, they're going to, Mahomes is going to find a way to make it work. He's going to find a way to, as long as his own line's doing their job. But the situation is now, what the Lions did, completely took the receivers out the game, took the running backs out the game. What are you left with? Mahomes can't do it all himself. That's what you have to do to beat the Chiefs, as we've seen. Beating the Chiefs is a hard task because it's such a challenge. But they're certainly not unbeatable. What the Lions did to them week one is the recipe. However, I'm with you on the fact that are the Chiefs still the favorites, in my opinion? Absolutely. Do they need to be the best-built team to be the favorites? Absolutely not. That's just, as we know, that's the X factor Mahomes gives you. But I'll say I'll transition over to my other point, too. I think them winning this game 19 to eight to me, I don't know how you feel. I'm not, I'm not thoroughly impressed by that. And obviously, you know, we knew we were saying this game had just, just almost not even weird vibes. I'm going to take back what I said. It had potentially atrocious vibes because of just, we know how the Broncos have been. And, and whenever you, I, the Broncos, they're kind of like a wild card. You like throw them in a game against anybody and some weird stuff's bound to happen, whether it's good or bad. This was one of those games where there was some good for them, but more bad than anything. Also some bad for the Chiefs. This game was just a mess all in all. But regardless, you know, Mahomes still has not lost to the Broncos. That's the only thing you really care about if you're a Chiefs fan. It does not matter, I guess, how you get the win on that. You know, it's just about moving forward. They got the W, and uh, it is what it is. But I'm sticking to my point that you, I think I wanted to see this be a bigger win for the Chiefs. Yeah, I will say this. I, you know, I don't think people ever really thought, like, once they tried to Tyreek Hill, like, what this team would really be like. I mean, they won a championship, but – We've never seen the defense play at this high level. And could this be something where it's like, you know, like when Brady won all his bowls, like the defense was like a top 10 unit. So like if the Chiefs are a top 10 unit, how do you beat that with Mahomes on offense? But week one, I think, showed like what they are without like Kelsey or Chris Jones. So honestly – it almost begs the question of is Chris Jones like, do they need to re-sign him after this year long-term? Because if they don't, are they the same team that they are right now when everyone's healthy? But at the end of the day, like just to kind of go into it, like you'd like to see the offense put up more points. I think the need for another weapon on offense is crucial, um, especially as Kelsey gets older. They need to find somebody that can be another number one option for Mahomes. But kind of going over to Denver really quick, 
the defense played, you know, lights out, in my opinion, versus a Kansas City team, especially with how bad Denver's defense has been. I, but the thing is, like, I just don't know where they go from here because Russ threw for 95 yards. Like, their offense is just pitiful. Like, I don't like what they're doing at all as a team. Like, it feels like they just need to, in my opinion, sell as much as they can, get as much draft capital, and get the guys that Sean Payton wants in there. Well, absolutely. And you know, and absolutely to the point of what you're saying, bro, my big thing at this point is, and I'm kind of, I'm like narrative biting at this point. I might be, you know, I might be biting the hook where I'm wrong at this one, but I'm just going to say it at this, because this is almost how you have to look at it. This, especially with this, you know, the connection I have to Sean Payton, the prior saints love, you know, I got to take it with a grain of salt. You almost got to look at it. Like this is being done. I'm not saying deliberately, let me be clear. This is some weird 3d chess shit where, you know, when you want something to happen really bad, but you're not, it's like, what do they call it? Where they, it's like happening subconsciously. I think in a way, this man is realizing that there's no way he's going to get where he wants to if he keeps Russ in the door. All these things. It's almost like he's subconsciously just selling the game. And I'm not saying he should be. I'm not saying this. I'm just saying the way I'm witnessing it right now, because especially to the point of his offense, it looks nothing like an old Sean Payton offense. It is... um. To take Connor's words from the group chat the other day, it is a very vanilla offense at the moment. It's just, I find it very confusing from I know what he can do on offense to what I'm witnessing right now. And yes, Russ looks terrible. Let me be clear. Russ looks like a shell of himself. I never really want to say it because I love Russ to an extent. But what we're seeing now is he's a shell of himself. Uh, he can't get the ball deep. Like I said, it looks like he's taking all of his effort to get the ball 30 yards downfield. It just does not look like old Russ. Uh, the 95 yards, the two interceptions, it's just atrocious. And the one play where they rolled the pocket and everybody just kind of like just sat there and ran into the same zone as each other. Like what would, that's the one play I can't get out of my head from this game. What it was going on in that play. Can, can like, you know what I mean, bro? There's just so many questions and I have no answers. It's almost like it's worth it just to tank for like a top to QB at this point because it's like and somebody brought so it up. in shambles it's just over. you remember that clip do you remember that clip of Sean Payton saying that if there's yeah, ever yeah. year someone was going to tank for the number one pick it's it should this be year? this year yeah too bad it's the Bears pick so that is no like but that's the thing too is you know what there's a lot of good QBs in this class that's what I'm saying it's like subconsciously the man knows he has to almost kick himself oh he has in ass and- every week this year to get where he needs to get, like, he prom- need, you know what I'm saying? To get where he I, wants to be. I promise you, like, when he came in, like, he was thinking, like, okay, if this Russ thing doesn't work out, like, I'm putting myself in position to – because he's not getting fired. That's the thing. No, bad, no matter how bad this year is, he could have an Urban Meyer-like year. He's not getting fired. So it's like he's really, like – he really can do whatever he wants. But um, you ready to move into our next game? Absolutely. All right, so Baltimore – at Tennessee, Baltimore came out on top. But something that I was kind of thinking about when I watched the Ravens is, are they capable of making, like, a deep playoff run? Because, like, I think they're a better team than they were last year. But something when I watched the Ravens, they just don't strike me as one of those teams that's, like, the, like, when I watch the Eagles, when I watch the 49ers, when I watch even the Lions, I'm like, oh, wow this is a really, really competitive team. And like, I just don't get that. Not that they're not competitive, but I just don't get that vibe from the Ravens that like they can go into any game and win it. Like they can, but it's like, I'm not confident about it. No, bro. It's the same thing we were talking about last week. And I'm glad you, I'm glad this was the question we have to address because the reality of the situation at this point is the narrative is not going to change until that they make us change it. Because 
Number one is, as you know, you know, if you listen to the show, I love Lamar. Lamar's skill set is amazing. Lamar keeps growing every year as a passer. The Ravens are doing the man an incredible disservice, right? Uh, like we said, and you even brought up on last week's show, I never really thought about the issue with the running back room because you know my opinion on running backs. You know I'm very kind of like, you know, next man up. Whoever's producing is going to produce. You know, but with an offense like the Ravens, where the run is very much the most important thing in the offense far and away, you know, it would make sense to go get a top dog to be pairing with Lamar to make the read so much harder to defend. And not only that, it would make much more sense if you're not going to pay any star receivers Oh, besides OBJ on the $15 million deal producing minimally. So to the point of last week, nothing has changed. Lamar's playing great football, but he can't do everything. He can't play with guys that are running the wrong routes, that are dropping balls. And that aren't creating good separation consistently. Most importantly, creating good separation consistently. By far the most important thing about this with the Ravens right now. Um, yeah, the, they are a team where when they can run the ball, they're going to probably win the game. But when they play a really good defense in the playoffs and it gets tough and you got to be able to win one-on-ones, are the Ravens going to be able to do that at the moment? Well, no. And again, does it work when you got a guy like Brady in the past and you could have no, basically no receiving core and get by on the fact that he's going to read the field perfectly at every step with every second of anticipation? Sure. But the reality situation is no other quarterback really is like that because that's why he was so special. So to sit here and expect Lamar to be able to deliver the ball absolutely perfectly on every single rep, it's just not fair to him. It doesn't make sense. Why not give him help? That's my question to you, Hunter. Yeah, I mean, I guess my thing too is like, I mean, he can operate the offense and like Zay Flowers looks good, but it's like 15 mil for OBJ. And I know that was Lamar's guy, but it's like he's not producing like a 15 mil a year guy. And like whether that's to be like a 15 million dollar a year decoy, like in my opinion, your offense isn't loaded enough with stars where you're able to do that. You know, like there's no like I want to say I can't remember what I put, um, but Gus Edwards, it's just like. I've never been super high on Dobbins and he's probably, he's definitely gone after this year, especially with injuries and they're not going to resign him. But like someone made, I forget who it was. And it was, I don't know, flipping a second round for Saquon. Like he's always injured, but like, at least you have like a dual threat on offense. Like, yes, Lamar's going to scramble and like, he's going to get those rushing yards there. But like, if your pass game is Zay Flowers and like Mark Andrews, I don't really think, I mean, OBJ, yes, he's like, everyone's capable, but it's like, where is that guy that's really going to put you over the top? And I don't think they have that because like, it needs to be someone outside of Lamar. Um, So it's just like, it's just frustrating. I mean, their defense is awesome, but they'll always keep them in games. But I just, I think they still need that one piece on offense to really like take them over the top. No, you absolutely do. Especially because, and here's my thing also. It, it works to an extent when you have multiple top tier guys on the O-line, right? But again, just as I said last week, the only guy that I would say that's playing top 10 at his position on this O-line is Tyler Linderbaum. So now the issue becomes you don't have the stud receiving core and you also don't have a line that is protecting Lamar all day. What is the thought process on how we built this offense? That's where I'm just, it, it's just such a disservice to Lamar. It makes no sense. That's right. it. Just it makes no sense, and that that's really where it's at at this point. It makes zero sense. So what also makes zero me, sense to and me, and I have no affiliation to the Ravens. What makes zero sense to me is why when Tannehill came out, Will Levis was not put in. Why? So why? I'll say I'm definitely going to switch over to the they, Titans here in a sec too because I have to address them also. They spent a second round pick on Will Levis, and I understand the I understand the idea of like 
drafting a rookie and letting him sit. I think more teams need to do that. A lot of these guys are thrown to the fire and bust out because of bad coaching, bad situation, whatever. But we know Malik Willis is not it. Like, we know that, like, what we saw last year, there's a reason they took another quarterback. Like, so my thing is this. If you're not confident enough to put Will Levis, a second round, a high second round pick, a lot of people who had first round grades on him, in a game where he can finally get some game time in the NFL, like, it doesn't make sense to me, one, why you don't do that. Also, there was no signs of improvement from Willis. Like, he was still making the same mistakes. He couldn't get the ball out. He kept running. He was running into sacks. There was no pocket awareness. He I'll say it might even look li- it might even look worse than I've seen oh. him before, unfortunately. And let me be clear, you know, I loved Malik coming out of school. And I was very originally be also clear that it was like you can't just throw him in, in the any time in these first even few years. You gotta completely Jordan love him. And yeah, so he's been he's now in a situation where it's never gonna work for him in the t- on the Titans. Like it's just that's just not ever gonna be a thing. And also it's like DeAndre Hopkins, like he had a great week last week really non-existent this week and whether that's the result of who's throwing on the ball or just be him being blanketed like it just he it's better than the julio jones signing but it's just like i don't know man it was just and but that's what i'm saying like if they would have played levis i understand the signing where it's like you give a guy where you feel comfortable throwing on the ball he's going to catch it but if you're not going to play levis this year what is the point point? and also there's really no bright spots on the offense i like tajay spears but I mean, Derrick Henry is, like, the only – I mean, outside outside of, like, Skaronsky. Like, Traylon Burks, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, like – it feels like their offense is just – like, it doesn't develop. Like, the players are just their players, and that's it. Like, they don't get better. And I don't well, think that's going to last very long. And, unfortunately, too, I, I do I, – I definitely want to point this out. I think Titans fans would agree with me on this one. Uh, what's killing me, too, about the Titans right now is it kind of feels like when I'm watching them a lot, the, the you know, they kind of take – a big step back on defense. Uh, a lot of the star players not playing is up to standard this year. And I know we're only six games in that could completely turn around, but this D line that I had the, uh, you know, I was so keen on was going to be such a mean, ferocious unit. They're not really delivering on that. Like I expected them to. And that's got to be cause for a concern because the identity of this team for so long has been, you know, it's going to be smash mouth on both sides. It's kind of like, that's not really as much the identity on either side now. Because, you know, King Henry is, we know it's, you know, he's not, he's still King Henry, but it's not the same prime King Henry it was. And I agree with you. Let me be clear. The one thing that they definitely have got to hang their hat on is that Tajay Spears is going to be a real good back in this league, I do think, for a good period of time here, especially with the situation they have him in. But you can't just build, We as we've seen, you can't just build around a star running back. <laughs> you know, they literally, the Titans try to do it with one of the most generational ones we've seen, and it gets you far, but it doesn't get you to the promised land. I think if anything, there's almost going to be like an organizational uh, philosophy kind of regrouping here with the way the Titans direction is looking like it's going. They're in a funky situation as a, as a franchise at this point, bro. They'll just never be bad enough to like pick super high because of Vrabel. But at some point, it's because like they keep like talent around, which I don't blame them. But at the same time, like sometimes it's kind of like the Vikings where it's like, all right, it's just time to rebuild. Like sell when, sell when you can. So... No, absolutely. They are 100% in that situation at this point. All right, let's move into Washington. All right, actually, I'm going to repeat that. Let's move into Washington at Atlanta. Is Desmond Ritter single-handedly losing the Falcons games? Oh, no. At this point, absolutely. Um, And I won't even – actually, I can't do that to him. Let me be clear. I can't do that to him. I I can't single-handedly do it to him because – no matter how bad you're playing, it is a team sport. And 
someone could pick up the slack. But I'm also a realist. And I understand that not every time someone could, they're going to because sometimes they're going to be outwilled by the other team's defense, the other team's offense. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Well, coulda, woulda, shoulda that Desmond Ritter could be playing better too, right? So it goes both ways. And he could be playing way better. So yeah, and reality situation is, bro, he's playing at about uh, top or bottom 31, 32 level. You can either put him as the worst or second worst right now. You can kind of pick your poison. Regardless of how you want to put it, this was the narrative I think we created right around week three when they started off really good. And it was like, you know, this team, they're, they're going to be competitive this year. They look kind of concerning this year. But I was very quick to point out that that's not true because Desmond Ritter is going to be the one that's going to hold them back. Sure enough, it didn't take long. As every Falcons fan knew it wouldn't. They were kind of holding on. They were holding on by a thread to the faith and hope that just maybe they found an absolute stain and they were able to build around this contract. But, you know, the truth exposes itself very quickly. And uh, the situation is what it is where the Falcons are very much in the same situation as a lot of teams at this point in the league. I don't want to say a lot, but I'd say a fair handful, bro, where you have so much about the team that you got to love, but then that position you need most, you absolutely have got a lot of question marks there. And it's not like there's an easy solution either. I mean, the closest comparison I can make to them, I mean, they're not even close on defense, but like kind of like the Jets, like they, they like, they like a lot of stuff besides like the O-line. Like I would say the Falcons O-line is probably a little bit better. I don't think they're anything crazy. I think they're really good at run blocking. I Their pass blocking is questionable in my opinion. But um, something else, though, like, I, I don't know. Like, that last pick that Desmond Ritter threw was really bad. And especially when you have playmakers like Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Like, Drake London has really been coming into his own these last two games. And I think it's showing, like, if you feed him the ball, like, he's going to produce. Pitts has picked it up. But throwing the ball 47 times with Desmond Ritter is not a recipe for success. And that last pick, the fadeaway into the end zone, it's ridiculous. Like the Falcons lost by eight points and they had doubled the, they had one less than double the amount of first downs. I believe the commanders had 13. The Falcons had 25. That is ridiculous. Like they had way more yards. Like Washington allowed 400 yards. The Falcons had 400 yards on offense and lost this game. So, bro, this so this needs to be discussed, right? Because this I, I didn't really even think about this till just now, but this is the truth of the matter, right? In my head before this, when you were just were saying how, yeah, and they threw the, so 47 times they threw the ball. But throughout the situation is too. You know, this was the first time in a while that the Falcons run game was just getting kind of like, actually, I can't say that because the Lions. However, it, you know, we expect that the Falcons run game is going to get going. I'll put it like that. And this was definitely one of those days where, you know, the commander's front showed up, did their business, holding them to under a first down every four carries. And, and you know what? And Art Smith's like, you know what? I got to give my guy a shot. I got it. Not only that, it's almost like to an extent, again, 3D chess type activity. Even if you know it's not going to be the best option, you got to give it a shot in the sense of like, I'm going to prove to everybody that says to me that I got to take these shots. We got to give him a shot. It's like, okay, we're going to give him a shot. We're going to see how it goes. And then when he comes out and shits the bed, it's kind of like, oh, now you see why I'm not giving him these shots. You know what I mean? So I think to also, that's just how you got to look at this if you're Art Smith. It's like, well, I gave the man every opportunity he could to show me that he had some moxie and could deliver what we drafted him to do. And it's just not what it, it's just not what's occurring. Yeah, I, I've been off the Desmond Ritter hype train. I think, like we talked about, like I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be traded, but to me, Atlanta is really the only place that really makes sense. Um, but 
it's just like it would be so drastically different if they had a, like an at least a competent quarterback in place, like just not even competent, just one that's not going to throw interceptions. So I don't know. Like if you want to look at the other side, Washington, like Sam Howell, sack machine, throws a lot of interceptions, but this game. 151 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. So I think that's what I'm saying. Like, there's really not much to talk about with Washington this game. It's like when you turn the ball over three times, especially against like a defense like Washington, who is definitely going to ride on that momentum because of all the talent they have up front. But then also the Washington's offense, like I feel like can go toe to toe with really anyone if they're clicking on that day. So like, for Sam Howell to only have 150 yards and three touchdowns, like, that should show you that, like, Atlanta is definitely the better team here. And they just, like, folded it. They folded at the end of the game. So, like, there's really not much to say on Washington. Like, they stayed in, they battled, but it was really Atlanta's fault. No, 100%. <laughs> so, I think, um, and again, I'm going to switch over to the commanders here real quick. I'm going to take a little, you know, flip sides. We're talking about the commanders real quick from my end. My thing that I'm, I'm, I don't know how to feel about Sam Howell, bro. I'm in this weird territory where he's young enough that I'm going to give him more time because I'm never going to judge someone on this is essentially really his first year in my eyes. You know what I mean? So it's like this, the first year, and then I'm going to give you a little time into, into year two, you know, and, and if you're, but what I'm saying is really, I'm starting to view him. Like he might be one of those guys. And we, we know there's a lot of these starters in the league right now. Let me be clear. You can be a starter. that's like this. But I think what he's starting to look like to me is he's one of those starters that it's like, yeah, he could really show up, but he could really, really not show up. And I think almost to an extent, like to compare him, it's like, again, he's younger. He's not at that point yet. But he, I think his ceiling, the way I'm looking at it right now is it's funny enough where he's talking about it, but he could be end up being like a Kirk type of guy where it's like, you know what I'm saying? Where we yeah. know Kirk's going to show up most weeks, but then there's that one week that's going to happen where he's just going to fold crazy. That's kind of like how Sam Howell looks like he might be shaping out to be. I, I think he could be a decent quarterback for them. I just think he's a little um, – he needs to get his sack problem under control. And then, like, he needs to also um, obviously clean up the turnovers. But, I mean, it's his first year. He's a fifth-round pick. Like, it comes to be, like, expected that he's not going to be perfect. But I honestly like what I've seen from Sam Howell. Um Obviously, there's cause for concern, but overall, he has played decent. So, you ready to move into our next game? You know it. Minnesota at Chicago. Are the Bears a lot for Caleb Williams? You know, I, I've been thinking about this. I don't want to say that's the case because this happens every year. It does. Where we're, sh- you know it. I can think of the team every year. If I go back and look at the standings, where there's always that team where the, the narrative becomes like, that's certainly, the, those are certainly the guys. Like, those are the guys that'll be picking number one. And then some stupid shit will happen in the last few weeks, last four or five weeks. And something, they win two games, you know, they end up winning a few. And you're like, what's happening? And then some team that you didn't even expect ends up at the very bottom. But I, you know, I think all things are pointing towards, I'm not going to say it's guaranteed. But all things are pointing towards that the you know the Panthers are going to be the team that's there at the bottom of that list. I don't think you know it might it's either going to be you guys or the Panthers kind of thing. But I think you guys can safely kind of bet on the Panthers with the way things are leaning their season, especially looking that they're probably going to be trading out Brian Burns soon. Any type of real talent they have on the roster is going to be looking out the door for the future. 
So once that happens, it's going to be really hard for the Panthers to pull out a game this year. So, uh, yeah. unless, unless they pull it out against you guys, at which case it still helps you out regardless. It's kind of like, yeah, the, the Bears have a safe, the safest shot, though, I'll say, of any of the teams that we've ever been like, those are the ones. The Bears yeah. have an extra safe spot being that they also suck and the team that they need getting it from really sucks. So this is how I kind of looked at it. I kind of looked at it in a different aspect. I kind of looked at it as like with them losing this game, that was very winnable in my opinion. This kind of solidifies the end of like Justin Fields in Chicago. Because my thing is not because of how he played, but because he got hurt. And my thing is like, I think this game said more about the coaching than it did about Justin Fields. But my, my thing is with Justin Fields, like, Unfortunately, if he wanted to stay in Chicago, like he had to play like he played versus Denver and um, Washington and then also stay healthy. If he's out for two to three weeks, even a month, like two weeks maybe, but a month, it's like at that point, you're not able to stay. You're not able to prove yourself where they feel comfortable and evaluate. Like they – will probably ship you out at the end of the year and take Caleb Williams because it's just like it's it's too unreliable to try and base what little success you've seen with him and then project that over the long term. It's just not going to work. And the Bears played ugly this game. It, it feels like they forgot what they learned in that Washington game. They didn't roll Justin out, anything like that. And The defense played good, but unfortunately with Fields getting hurt, I think – you know, I, I don't really have much hope. And, and the fact that the coaching staff rolled this team out like they did the first three weeks of the season, like, should show you that they they have a way that they want to run things. And as soon as things work, they're like, okay, now we get a little bit more leash to do what we want, even if it doesn't work. And it's just like, you guys got to go. Like, it's it's bad. No, Absolutely. And so I want to like turn this into kind of another talk because this is I've noticed I've noticed that the uh, talk around the Bears nowadays has kind of been like, well, these last two games with Caleb Williams kind of has a lot of Bears fans concerned with Caleb, right? I don't want to even use the I word know. a lot. I'll say I'll say I've seen a, a fair share of Bears fans that are kind of on the train now, like, oh no, like, and it's the ones that are very high on Justin. Justin's but, been doing you know, this the whole time. <laughs> that's this. No, this is why I have to go on a little mini rant here because this is where I'm getting a little bit confused with how people are looking at this. Because actually, no, I'm getting incredibly mad because I'm going to tell it to you like this. As a Saints fan, right? If I was in the situation you guys were in, I would not be sitting here like defending my starter and and rooting for my starter to keep their job. I would be like certain bent on like, dude, no, like this is the guy. And it's crazy because this is why I don't, Bears fans need to go back. This is what Bears fans need to do right now. You need to go back and watch every snap of Mahomes back his like last couple years at Texas Tech. And what you'll see is, trust me, this is what's crazy is you'll see he wasn't the guy you see nowadays yet. Now, that might be crazy to believe. It might be crazy to believe that what you're drafting is the player's skill set and then not the exact player at the time because they grow and they develop and you teach habits, but then you retain the skills that they already had that you liked. So my thing is nowadays, bro, sorry, I just had an alarm go off. No, it's kind of like how are Bears fans not seeing the vision of like we're taking the skill set and we're going to coach in the pocket awareness and we're going to coach in. And let me be clear with the 
coaching staff now? Fuck no. I'm not talking about none of these guys. Scrap every single one of them. All of them. All of them. O-line coach. Receiver. Done. Done. This, this coaching staff is an inept garbage dump. However, that's the point. Is Caleb is the type of guy that you put the right staff around him? Oh, I guarantee it's not even a question. It's not. It, there's nothing questioned about it. It's a matter of getting him to develop. Yes. Do the Bears have those guys now? Fuck no. But is keeping those guys and keeping Justin the recipe for the future? Absolutely fucking not. Bears fans have got to screw their head on, realize that this team has been run by morons for an eternity. And the only thing that can save them, you guys at this point is a completely new staff. Keep, polls is in question, whatever. Polls probably keeping his job, but polls has to bring in a perfect staff, right? But on top of that, y'all have got to take Caleb because taking a guy like Caleb can erase the last 50 years of trash. And if y'all, it's my thing is that Bears fans can't see that at this point. I can't even, I, I don't even know what to say. And that's just my mini rant for the day. No, yeah. And that's that's something that is very frustrating um, because it's like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, you have, whether or not Justin becomes successful after this year in the NFL, it's not going to happen in Chicago, in my opinion. I think he needs a new change of scenery. I'm okay with polls staying around. I mean, like, he set us up with two draft picks, and he has done well in terms of accumulating capital. He's made some bad moves, but overall, I think, in my opinion, the pros outweigh the cons. So, Caleb Williams has one bad game. Oh, my God. Justin has had horrible games, regardless if that's him or the situation or anything. Like, the reality is he's had multiple of those games, and we can't have that. That can't keep happening. So, my thing is get a new coach. Get a new quarterback. Then it's like, then we're all good. We can reset. We get an offensive mind, a head coach. We're good to go. Okay. So moving in just the Minnesota side, I'm just going to go um, on Minnesota, and then you can go real quick. Um, Minnesota outcoached the Bears at every level, even without Justin Jefferson, like KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison, like they played. And I feel like the game really switched when TJ Edwards, when that bubble recovery Fumble recovery, which was inbounds, was overturned. I think that's when we knew the game was over, and I think the players felt that too. Um, and they dialed up pressure on Justin, and they shut down the offense. The coaching staff didn't have an answer. They didn't bring in an extra tight end, chip the rushers, like anything like that. They just let Justin figure it out, and like that just goes back to the coaching staff. I mean, the Vikings are definitely not a 1-5 team, and they beat us today. So, well, they were one and four, basically, I was saying, I, you know, they're, they, they're better than having one win right now. So my thing is, like, I think they might pick up a couple games now going forward, um, which is good because I really did not want Caleb Williams in division if they were that bad. So, but yeah, no, I mean, this Vikings offense is just, it's interesting, man. I don't really know what like, what their future is like. Because I don't see them trading Kirk Cousins. Do you think they trade Kirk Cousins? Like, what do you think? Again, uh, I think, I, I'm i like, where well, I'm molding it over, but again, if you don't pull the trigger before this deadline, right, that's where it comes. I think the Vikings are very much in the territory of, and I, I again, I've, I've been in this position as a fan base a couple years ago, right? Like, I know the feeling when, 
you really should know it's time to pull the plug on something, but you're just not absolutely ready to give it up yet. And you're like, no, there's still, you know, they're like, there's still a fighting hope. We can turn this around this year. And, but if this, this, and this happens this year, but the reality of the situation is that really never happens. Like, yeah, I can point out a few times it's happened, but again, the reality is it very rarely does. So now we're in a position where, yes, the Vikings ownership group, their fan base, I think they're still holding on to that same thread that we've talked about a few other fan bases are. But again, us being realists, having no ties to the team, it's much easier to come to the conclusion of, look, the future is so much brighter if you just pull the plug now, if you make the decision now. But then also during that same territory, if you don't make it right now and you don't get the value when it's peak value, what is going to happen? That's I agree with you. I don't know where they're going to go from here if they don't make some right of this now. Do you think that they will um do you think that they will move up to go get a quarterback if they can? If they're if they're poss- if they can move up to get Drake May, do you think they will use that um do you think they'll use draft capital to go get him? Well, absolutely. But also it's like that's kind of the problem I guess that it comes to with the Vikings is I don't know. I guess I'm weighing it out, but it's also like, you know, I guess pretty fairly, you already have a good old line around the man. So yeah, it would be like, you could trade up and you already have a good old line around him. And then you could build around that contract. That probably is going to be the best case scenario for the, for the Vikings this year is going to be trading up, relying on the fact that you're going to be able to resign Jettas. You already have the line. And then, you know, you you know, plug in a new plug in a couple new D tackles, you know, kind of figure out the D line. I'd say the Vikings are not fully far away from being competitive again. But yeah, it, at this point, there's no doubt it's going to come down mainly and far away to figuring out the quarterback situation now and stop pushing it off because they have been pushing it off for the first six games. And if they push it off to the deadline and they don't make the play, now it's done. Yeah, I also think it's like something along the lines of like, and we can move on after this. Um if they don't go get a quarterback, what is the incentive for Jettas to stay there? Well, so think, besides the wherever. fact, yeah, besides the fact that they could basically say, "Look, I'm going to give you the most, and you don't have to move." Not, yeah, and that's the thing is when you're in a situation like that, it, it's I guess the, what you have to ask yourself is if you're Jettas, is like do the extra few M's that you're going to get from them matter more than being able to choose where you want to go and where you want to play. This thing is he's either someone who really operates and likes to stay in the same home base and, and is very loyal in terms of personality, or he's going to be somebody that has no issue kind of, you know, switching over. And I'm not saying there's anything right or wrong about either decision. I'm just saying, we're going to definitely find out something about Judd is based off of what decision he makes here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, ready to move into our next game. Let's do it. All right. Seattle at Cincy. This game was very interesting. Okay, I have an interesting question for you. Could, is there any chance in the playoffs the Seahawks beat the Lions, 49ers, or Eagles? Can they beat any of those teams? I'd say. They already beat the Lions. The thing is, it's like, I think. Again, though, that was one of those. It's just a weird, weird day. And could they? Yeah, and we know any given Sunday. But I think in a playoff environment with this young defense, I think the Seahawks is one of those teams that's kind of leaning towards more future success. You know, like they're not. It's going to be like, I think they're still building to that peak level. And, you know, 
it wasn't the best game from Geno this game. You know, if you take if, if any of these two interceptions, that drive was turned into a touchdown. This game is a completely different scenario. You know, obviously it's picking, you know, you're, you're taking scenarios and making them better. You can't always do that. All I'm saying is my thing right now is I don't know. The Seahawks are kind of a weird team where it's like, I definitely want to see more from Geno again. I want to see, I want to like last year's more consistent Geno. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I don't see, like, I don't think that's all him. I think the O-line has been a little messed up and I honestly give them props for hanging in this game. I think Cincinnati is the better team. Um, even if, you know, I don't think, I think also though, if Geno doesn't throw those two interceptions, like they probably win this game. And I think, the conversation around the Bengals is very different because the Bengals were at a point where it's like this game was kind of must win. And if they didn't beat like a team that's really not like a top contender in the NFC, it's kind of like, okay, well, what are the Bengals doing? Like the O-line has been kind of iffy and they need to pick it up. The running game's kind of not existent. Joe Burrow played good enough to win, but not great. Like, the Bengals just have like weird vibes around them. I don't, I don't really know, but kind of like go back to the Seahawks. I mean, like this game was, they led in time of possession. They led in yards, they led in first downs, but they were one in five in the red zone. So my thing is like one in five, like kick two field goals and you win this game. So no, and it's like, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm thinking while I'm thinking like while you after you said it, like what's going on with the Bengals? I think some that you know people haven't been discussing enough, and we were kind of touching on it early on in the year, but I'll go back to it now. Is maybe they're a little bit of like disconnect because of the whole situation with T. Higgins. And again, this is just me speculating. I could be so so fucking wrong right now, and I get nothing to do with the situation. But maybe you know, T's over there, like, you know, I know I need to get paid, he's not playing as well. You know, maybe they're not as friendly. It's, it's kind of like situation, you know, everybody's a little distant. Maybe, maybe just maybe is that part of the problem? I, I don't, don't know. know. I mean, I, it could be. I'm, I could. And, and could it also have literally no bearing on the team? Absolutely. I'm just speculating. All I'm saying is, yeah, the offense is not moving how it used to move, as we've seen. You know, if you're the if you're a Bengals fan, you'll want to be able to see the consistency. We're like, oh, yeah, there's our team that takes shots every single week. There's my, you know, there's T and Jamar in tangent lighting up the defense. You haven't really seen that this year. And another thing, too, that I want to say is, like, obviously the Bengals start slow, but something almost more concerning to me is, like, I can see, like, with injuries, with T. Higgins, like, there's reasons the Bengals are not performing. Like, the Seahawks, don't they kind of feel like they're the same team they were last year? Like, they improved, but, like, not enough to really like move the needle a ton. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's part. Of, no, and that's first of all, yes, that that's exactly where they're at. And I would say, you know, again, with in terms of like their future, you know, do they kind of start feeling like a team where we have to ask, like, okay, well, what exactly is the direction? Because again, in an ideal world. You, I could tell you what the direction is. It's like, well, we're going to have, you know, the young QB is going to step in at just the right time on the young contract, and he's going to be hitting with the defenders that just got paid, and then we'll be able to go win a bowl, and it's all going to click. 
But we know, bro, in the NFL, it does not seem to always go that way. And it doesn't seem like that's something you can bank on that you're going to for sure have the right guy and you're going to be able to pay all the right guys. They're going to stay healthy at just the right time. So I guess that's what I'm going to ask you now, bro. Is it's kind of like, where do you think that the, where is the, uh, like the end goal for the Seahawks here at this point, right? So honestly, in my opinion, I think the biggest issue with the Seahawks is their trenches and the quarterback. So I don't think Geno Smith is bad, but I think if they seriously are up, can upgrade like the interior of the O-line, because if those tackles can bounce back and be top half, I think they're okay. I think the issue is really the interior I don't think, I mean, like, if you look at skill positions on both sides, it's really not a problem. It, it really comes down to the trenches. I think they have to upgrade the interior of the offensive line. they got to upgrade the D-line. I like their running backs. I like their receivers. I like their corners. I like their safeties. Like, it's just like what we talk about all the time. Like, you have to invest in the trenches or else you're not going to win many games. And I think that is honestly where they need to focus it. I think Devin Witherspoon. I mean, like, Kobe Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, like, they have good corners. So, just upgrade the trenches. I think they'll be fine. But I, I still think they're maybe a year or two away. And I think maybe the way they built this team is knowing that maybe once they're able to build the trenches, they can get a rookie in there and they already have all the other weapons set up. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, yeah, that is for sure the best case scenario. It's just... It's going to be something we definitely have going to, you know, we're going to have to monitor it over the next few years because this is either a really good recipe or this was a complete whiff and miss. But, you know, uh, we're going to we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on this one. Yeah, because, again, like you said, it's like they're a bad team and it's like Gino's a bad quarterback. Let me be clear. I'm not even hating at all. I'm just being objective in the sense of this probably at the moment is not going to be enough to go all the way. And if this is the peak, well, it's going to be a failed experiment. That's all there is to it. All right. Ready to move into our next game? Yeah, you know it. Wow. San Francisco at Cleveland. Do you think San Fran loses another game this year? I'd say, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I actually, I'm going to click on their schedule right now, and I'm going to tell you exactly when I think it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, I think it will happen against the, uh, I think the Eagles will do them. I think the Eagles will do them again this year. Uh, and, and at least I can't talk about the playoffs, but I'm going to say when they play them, you know, they got to go to Philly. In the, you know, in the cold in December, I think there's a good chance that Philly's going to beat them at home. Yeah. So, or I could even see the Ravens coming there too on, on Christmas last one on Christmas. I could see the Ravens coming there on Christmas, delivering a little Christmas surprise on them. That would be, that would be a very interesting game to see if the Ravens can put it together at that point. I think honestly, like my biggest takeaway from this game was, you know, Purdy didn't have CMC, he didn't have Debo, and he just didn't look good. Like, so, like, when you – I understand the Browns' defense is, like, different. But it's like, I mean, you still have a pretty good O-line. I know they are grading pretty bad in pass block via PFF, but, I mean, you still have a lot more than a lot of other people have. So my thing is, like, to play that poorly – and I understand everyone has those games – but it's just like, this is the first time we've seen 49ers not just like dominate. And it was ugly. And it was, it was, oh, yeah. I think it showed what Brock Purdy lacks in like natural talent. No, for sure. And I was going to say, to your point, you're absolutely right. So, 
And again, so I, you know me, I've been at this point, I'm like a Brock Purdy supporter. I've and I don't say anything at this point. I've been saying positive things about him, but I, while still acknowledging that he's really at his best when the team's also performing at their best allows him to be, because that's really the only way that, that, that the marriage works. Yeah. I think to your point, this is really one of those games where I don't think, yes, we see bad. My point I was going to make is we see quarterbacks that are good, have really, really bad stinkers, but I don't know if I ever see like an elite quarterback have a stinker this low. Like this is a really low, like really low stinker where it's like you barely got over the hundred yard mark. You threw less than 50% completion. You did not even throw one more touchdown than interceptions. You evened out the ratio. Like that's one of those stinkers that you really, really don't see like stars having often. So if anything, what I think we need to come back to the situation is it's kind of like, let's, let's slow the roll on the whole, like he's a star, he's elite. He, he does his thing. That's what I think. At this rate, Brock Purdy does his thing, and he does his thing really well when the offense is playing at its peak. But like we said, if you throw him into a normal guy's and like the average Joe per se QB situation, it's not all that easy. It doesn't look as easy as he's making it look on these other weeks, right? That's, I think, the main thing we got to hit at. Yeah, and I also, just in my opinion, and then I'll move on to the Browns, because like... My thing also is like the 49ers have a really good defense and they lost to a XFL backup quarterback. Like, I guess my thing is like, if you're as elite as you're supposed to be as a team, there's no way you should lose this game to the Browns. And even if the 49ers were healthy with CMC and Debo, I'm not all that convinced that they'd win. I mean, it's like, you know what? And this the thing is, they had their chance to win this game, too. That's the thing is, let it be clear. They had their chance. They pissed the drive away. It's and- not like they didn't have a chance. It's not like they didn't have multiple chances. They they were the ones who, like, they didn't, they, did not, they didn't get beaten. They legitimately lost the game. And let me be clear. Hats off to the Browns. You played a hell of a game. You got to play like that against a team like this when you're that outmatched. They deserve the win completely. That's not what I'm saying that they didn't. All I'm saying is the Niners threw them the game. That's really what it comes down to. And also... Here's my thing, okay? You trade all this for CMC, and you don't have a pick until the third round, and then you use it on a kicker. Now, people can say, like, oh, yeah, he hasn't missed yet, and Purdy put them in position to win, blah, blah, blah. You, I, I know kickers have off games. They miss kicks. But to use a third-round pick on them when you don't have a first and second, it's just kind of like he sh- – it's just bad optics, in my opinion. Like, you can't lose this game to a backup quarterback on the Browns. Yeah, no, you can't. And, um, you know, I just want to go back to the thing with the kicker, too, real quick. You know, not that, again, Jake Moody's not even like he's having a bad year or anything. I just think, you know, we look at a lot of great kickers and their draft position. I think what the, the realization you got to come to as a uh, as a GM is maybe the less pressure you put on these guys coming out of school, the better they're going to perform once they get into your organization. It's almost like they're a completely mental case position. Yeah. I'd say of any other position group, they're the most emotional. They're the most, whatever you want to say where they get in their own head. So you got to kind of throw them a bone in the sense of you can't put all that pressure on them. You got to just let them come in and and have nothing on their shoulders. You got to kind of just, you know, this is your only shot. You got to like, you know, you got to almost like it, but in the sense of, but then there's no pressure where it's like, you have to be the guy. It's kind of like you either, you either are going to be a guy and make it in this league or you're not, but we didn't draft you with the pressure of like, you have to be the guy. Right. I think when you take a great kicker and you put that pressure on him, it's kind of just, it makes him fold. 
Yeah, I, I didn't like the pick. I think, I don't know. It just was unnecessary to me. And I think also, and this is kind of like going to be my cap on this. When P.J. Walker throws you two interceptions and you're an elite team like the 49ers, that's two extra possessions that they didn't score on. And, like, you have to take advantage of that, and they just didn't. So, I that's pretty much all I have. I, I mean, I think it's just kind of like a – I don't want to say it's a fluke, but, like, obviously everyone loses, and the Niners are 4-1. and one, So, you can't really knock them. I, just, I guess I just don't like the way they lost the game. No, this is definitely – and I'll say, like, I used to have those weeks when the Saints used to be really dominant a few years ago, like 2018, 20, where you're like, we really just did this against a team we – you just show up so flat in a game you should have won. That's yeah. one of those ones. But again, but again, you know, it's all about how you bounce back, and it's 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 a one-week-at-a-time thing. If you bounce back next week, you look great. You can't sit here and hang your head on this week. It's one week. You got to no. move forward. No. Uh, ready to move into our next game? Let's do it. Carolina at Miami. The Panthers? What are they doing? Are they going to win a game this whole year? I mean, looking at their schedule and what they might do before the trade deadline, it's not looking likely. I mean, yeah, what, I mean they win they win versus the Bears, like what's I mean, I'd be okay. I'd be I would hope they would lose, but it depends on where the Bears position is sitting. I mean, like the Houston Houston next week, I don't see it. Indy, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know where they squeeze out a win on the rest of their schedule. Yeah, and this is... So, you know, uh, I'm kind of coming... Uh, let me be clear. I'm coming to this from, in, in no way, a place of haterness. I'm coming in from a full-blown case of sympathy here. Because, uh, you know, like, I say this every week, but, you know, I like Bryce a lot, and I, and I like, you know... I've always wanted to, it's like, I want to, it's like, it's hard to say when they're in your division, but you get what I'm saying. I want to see the man succeed. I want to, because I've, I've been high on that. He's going to have a good career, but the truth is that it's becoming more and more evident every single week. He could not have been thrown into a more atrocious situation. He couldn't have the O line. Not good. The receiving core minus Thielen, not playing good at all. Uh, the running backs are playing good. I guess that's a bright side, but it's not like it matters because the O line is not good. Uh, back to the defense, all the good young names, are all up for grabs for trade right now. They're all probably not even going to be here after this year. The restart point is going to be so low for the Panthers that it's kind of like by the time that Bryce is even developing and it's, it's time to pay him, what is this team going to look like? Is paying him going to completely hinge off all the progress they made with all the young players? They're in a fucked situation yeah. from my point of view. Just a just a bad way. I feel like they did a very bad job of like timing all this out. Especially like in my opinion, like if you know you're gonna go get a quarterback and trade up for him, why'd you not take the two first for Brian Burns? Because you're not getting that now. No one's offering two first for Brian Burns. Like that was that was like a uh, a just a critical mismanagement uh, of assets. Like two first? Why would you not take that? Especially when the Rams were bad. So, I guess here's my thing. Okay. this So, the Panthers are actually the highest scoring team in the NFC South, which is insane. But, they actually played okay this game. And Adam Thielen is playing really, really good, which is super surprising. I mean, it's not like he was like, there wasn't anything left in the tank, but it's just like they... 
I don't know. They just it to me it didn't seem like he was going to be that guy. I mean, I got him in a lot of fantasy, so I'm I'm real happy about it. But here's a stat that I I looked this up because I knew it just goes with our narrative. Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard ran for more yards this game than Miles Sanders had this whole year in any game. And it's like then it's like okay, why did you pay that guy? Why would you not just go get the top receiver on the market? So I don't know. I honestly feel like if they get a true number one receiver and push Thielen down to that two spot, I actually think their offense looks okay. I agree, but it's also funny you say that because that also also kind of conflicts my side note I had about Adam Thielen this year is in a weird way. And like, follow me for a second. It's going to sound stupid if you don't let me finish the point because you'll see what I'm saying. In a weird way, it's almost like Adam Thielen's productivity is tied to him being the number one in any given offense. And let me be clear with what I'm saying, because it's not like he doesn't run, you know, he's not like the crispiest route runner. He's not the crispiest anything, but he's got great hands and he's crafty. So it's like when, 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 you're, when he's your first read and you're really like, we're stealing, we're stealing as opposed to someone else, you kind of, you, you'll witness him doing the crafty shit and you can kind of like slip it into him right in a tight window. You know what I mean? Like right when he's making, he's turning around, coming back to you. He's that kind of receiver. Like he's a QB friendly receiver. But where it's like, if he's not the first option, it's harder to find him on those QB friendly moments because what I'm saying is like kind of like his productivity is tied to being able to read him right. Like the first person where you're kind of like, I'm panicking, I'm panicking. Okay. Adam is going to be open for a split second. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, I feel you. And I get it. I mean, there's a reason the Vikings didn't keep him. I don't know if they just weren't in their plans and they didn't like him or whatever, or maybe they felt like he wasn't being productive in their system. Um, but yeah, no, so kind of going into Miami, I mean, I think the Carolina defense obviously had no chance against the Miami offense, but I'm not going to lie, the way the game started, I was like, oh no, no way Carolina beats Miami. Um, you know, I like I said, I mean, I keep saying it, but I got a lot of stock in Carolina's pick this year. So, but Miami, like... Their defense, man, I don't know. Like, I really thought Vic Fangio would get in there and they would be able to pick it up, and that's just not looking like it. Um, I know Jalen Ramsey isn't back yet, but um, basically all I got to say about the Dolphins is, one, if their defense picks it up, they're unbeatable. And two, Tyreek and Tua, I would say, are my favorites for MVP. Yeah, no, 100% with you on all that. I had a couple of funny side notes about this. I wanted to point out. Okay, and also okay. just, I wanted to come back on a take. I had a couple years ago. Also, number one, this we'll start off with, we'll start off light. We'll start off funny, but this, I'm not even kidding when I say this, it's ridiculous, but it's actually true. Besides, besides when he first came in the league, I'll acknowledge that was not the move. That was a mess, but you know, Eli Apple has now found himself in three separate in a row situations where he plays on a really, really good competitive team. And it's hilarious. It's like wherever Eli Apple finds, he's he's all, somehow Eli, Eli Apple always finds himself. He started off in the Saints when we were really really competitive. You know, he goes over to the Bengals. Now, sure enough, he finds himself over here on the Dolphins. Like, what's going on, man? What is Eli Apple doing to deserve these situations? It's like but then uh, also, who was that? No, were you gonna say? No, it's like that NBA player. I can't remember his name. Is it like, um, oh man, what was his name? He he won like three rings in a row. Like he played for Golden State. He played for Toronto. Patrick McCaw. Yes, I knew it was Patrick. That's I, hilarious. I, I had Patrick McCaw in my head, and I was like, I don't, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. But yeah, no, Pat McCaw. Yeah, so that's funny, bro. I noticed that too. That it's it's so random. But then yeah, so take I want to come back to it. Let me be clear. 
I don't even know if the audio would still exist to this. This was literally like a couple years ago at this point. But I remember there was a period of time where Deshaun Elliott was getting reps with the Ravens pretty heavily. And I was like, you know, it was, I think he was like coming in for someone injured. And I was like, yeah, this guy, Deshaun Elliott, man, like he's got a future in the league for sure. Ended up getting injured. You know, he wasn't getting the reps anymore. I'm kind of like, I kind of like lost track of him. I didn't really know where Deshaun Elliott went. But I, you know, this year on the Dolphins defense, man, Deshaun Elliott's having a great year, you know. And then also on the other side of him, Javon Holland is arguably the best safety in the league right now. You know, this Dolphins secondary, once they get Jalen Ramsey back, man, my, my main point is like the Dolphins are going to be competing with anybody. I know the Bills game looks bad right now, but like I'm saying, I think having Jalen in that game would be a lot, would, would make that score a lot different. Would the my, would Dolphins have won? I can't, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying come playoff time, you know, when everybody's really juiced up, the, we know the Dolphins are going to be such a tough assignment for anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless of their defense, you have to contain their offense, which the Bills did. So maybe, but this, people, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We, I think, we can talk about the Bills later, but they're just all over the place. Okay, and like last thing I just want to say real quick too, though, and it, I know you're feeling the same way as me. Look, everywhere else on the O-line is kind of, it's kind of like they've come together. They kind of, you know, this unit's kind of established itself, right? But the center and left guard, like especially Eichenberg, Man, the, the interior, the left side interior, it's like it's it's more than shaky. It's it's like we need to figure this out because it's the one glaring atrocity on the roster right now. And it's really hard to win a Super Bowl when you can't count on two of your guys on the interior. So, you know, maybe keep an eye on the Dolphins for a big trade, a big signing. I don't know what it's going to be, but definitely something, because the truth of the matter is I don't think they're going to be able to make the bull run if they keep what you can keep one of them starting, but you got to either move Eichenberger win. It's not going to work. One of them's got to One of them's got to be on the way outs right now. Yeah, no, I Dolphins have some issues to fix. They're definitely still one of the top competitors in the AFC, though. Um, ready to move on to our next game? Yeah, you know it. Indiana at Jacksonville. This was kind of a gross game, but also not gross. The Colts turned the ball over four times. Minshew threw three interceptions, and they couldn't really get the run game going. Why is Zach Moss getting more attempts than Jonathan Taylor? Is it a ramp-up? I don't know. Kind of seems like he's been healthy, even though he's been on the pup um, for quite a while now. So, I don't know. Maybe he's just getting back into game conditioning, game speed, but... Anytime you throw the ball 55 times with Gardner Minshew, I don't really think it's like a winning formula. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what they're really doing there. I mean, the Jags D stepped up. That's not bad, but, like, what's going on also in the Jaguars' pass game? It seems like half the time they're electric and half the time they don't. They're not, like, cohesive. Like, I, they got a good core, but... Uh, it's just like they can't stay consistent, and that's not what we saw like at the end of last year. Like they were on a roll, and no one was stopping them. So what is the difference? I know it's it, a lot it of was questions, like, but no, you're but you're spot on. It's like that's where I'm getting a little bit confused with the Jags right now, bro. Because the vibe, like you're saying, was so heavily like, oh no, these are they're they're guy guys. Like these guys are they're they're some of those guys where they could go all the way. As of right now, you know, they're like one of those teams where you're like. They're good, but come championship, conference championship, Super Bowl, I don't see the recipe for them pulling out that game against the better team. That's just exactly where the Jaguars territory they're in right now, because again, it stems from the inconsistency. You know, 
but they're not on the same level as the Bills. Because I would say even when they play at their dominant version self, it's not that same dominant dominance you see from the Bills, whereas the Bills also are on that same spectrum of inconsistency. Yeah, I don't know. The Jaguars are in a very weird kind of uh, weird kind of situation. I think if you could, you know, you can't trace it back to one thing. You certainly can't. But I'll tell you what, bro. Something that hasn't been talked about enough and is going to keep being talked about more and more as the future goes on here is it's very obvious that Trayvon Walker was absolutely not the pick. And if they took Aiden Hutchinson, I do believe the situation at the moment is slightly, I mean, not even slightly, it's uh, significantly different on defense. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that have got to be talked about with the Jaguars. You know, uh, there's got to be, I don't know where the the things go from here, because I do still think what I'm trying to say is they're still going to keep going up. But to your point, we thought it was going to be much more steady up and much quicker. It's more kind of like, like they're kind of, they're on like a weird train that kind of like goes down and then goes back up. But it's steadily going up the mountain, but it's the mess. I, they're in a weirdly, really weird boat. They're just super inconsistent to me. And like, that was like what I was not hoping for from them this year, considering how how well they put it together at the end of last year. Um, I will say this though. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's a surprise for everybody, us, like, regardless if Jags, the Jags won by 17 this game, like, the fact that the Colts are, like, staying in games and, like, playing competitive with mostly everybody is, like, really impressive, especially with Anthony Richardson possibly being out for the rest of the year. So, I don't know what you do. Like, do you hope that you win more games like you want to win with this core or with Anthony Richardson being down does it really matter would you rather have a higher draft pick what what are you kind of leaning with I would say oh well again you know I think the Colts are in the same boat as a lot of these guys that the with the good young quarterbacks it's like they're they're gonna be ready to compete if they swing and make the right swings over these next few drafts but again I mean so yeah I'll even Let's just let's just move over to this for a second. Let's just make this the topic for a second. It's kind of like if if you're the Colts, what what really needs to be addressed, right? I'd say, well, number one, you know, I think you, you're pretty comfortable about the D line right now. It's kind of like D line. You don't got to reach on a D lineman in the first first round or you know first couple rounds unless you get a really really good guy. I'd say I would probably be looking right tackle. You know, like interior. You could definitely also take another swing on another receiver, but I think I would probably keep letting the young guys grow. You know, you could take Josh star secondary really guy, star corner maybe. But yeah, I think they're definitely, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely more than a few pieces away. But like we say, we love that core of the team. Yeah. But they're, they, they got a lot that they have to improve for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't really have much else to say on this game. I think Jacksonville hopefully continues to put it together through the end of the year because I still think they're one of the top teams in the AFC I mean, I think this is their division. I mean, the Texans, that's like I, – I don't see any other team, especially without Anthony Richardson, like even competing for the division title. I don't – the Titans are just – I don't know. I I have more faith in the Titans – or the Texans and the Titans. No, yeah. I, 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 like, it's 100% at this point. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to – are you ready to move into the next game? I'm going to kind of let you take this one. Yeah, for sure. So the question we have is, yeah, like, well, I'll get right into it. You know, we're, we're wondering, a lot of people are wondering from the outside perspective, right? Well, what is the Saints problem? I say, how about I get into every single one of the Saints problems? Because you can't really just boil it down to one thing, right? 
Okay. Let's start with the positives of the Saints. I'd say I'd like our four-man line a lot. We come out in base a lot. I like our D-line most of the time. Love Demiro Davis. Demiro Davis is easily one of the best defenders in the league. Tyron Matthews having a good year. Um, moving over to the corners, you know, Sean started out the year absolutely electric. He kind of not fallen off, but not had the best couple of weeks the past two weeks. But I can't complain about this defense. Bottom line is we have a really good defense, in my opinion. I love our defense. I think our unit is one of the top units in the league. But then we come over to the offense. And what's funny is, is we have great pieces on offense. You look across the board, you're like, Michael Thomas is a good receiver. Olave is becoming a great receiver. Rashid Zahid has potential to be like a great receiver. Taysom Hill's playing really good at tight end this year. Weird, but he is. But then it comes where it's like, okay, the O-line is playing very inconsistent. Uh, Derek Carr, inconsistent. Uh, Kamara's playing good. They gotta love our, I think the running backs are playing good this year, I would say. But then we come into what's really making this cog just grind against the wall and fucking break every single day. It's just it, the machine gears are breaking from the inside because of Pete Carmichael. And I don't think it's just Pete Carmichael too, though, because there's this weird thing that's happening where in my brain, it's like, I really want to believe in Dennis Allen. I think I like, I love his defense. I love what he brings to the table with the defense. I love the, that I've been able to pretty consistently have faith in that every single week because I was traumatized so long as a Saints fan as never being able to have any faith in my defense. It's kind of like, you know, the, the MO became Drew's going to put up 45. They're going to score 48. You know, even if we score 43 and we win 43, it's going to be 43 to 40. You can never have just a stress-free day. It's been nice being able to become accustomed to having a good defensive game plan, you know, some, some identity to the defense. But then it's come with this tangent where there's no accountability. The penalties have shot up. The team doesn't have fight consistently. It's like they show up really hot one week, but then they take their foot off the gas. And I think, again, what I'm trying to say is it comes from the philosophies of the coaching staff, the way they approach every single week. There needs to be more fire. Someone's got to be accountable. And the main problem with this team, far and away nowadays, uh, is the way that the ownership group is handling the coaching staff and the coaching staff. That's how, it, from, from a pure Saints fan, that's how I look at it no other way. Yeah, I mean, just from the outside looking in, um, the Saints just seem like a very frustrating team. Because it seems like, obviously, you want to improve the O-line, but, I mean, they have good weapons on offense. Like, they have good players. Like, the defense is good. Like, Derek Carr can operate. But Derek Carr, I mean, I don't know how far he's going to take you. It's just incredibly frustrating because you know you have, like, a competitive team, and it's just like, What's going on? Well, this this the thing too is, but when I say like, let me be clear. If you if you have, if people haven't watched a lot of the Saints, you know, it's kind of like it's the classic, like you know, oh, blame the offensive coordinator. You know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. No, I'm telling you, like you, we'll pull up the all twenty two, man. You know, I'm you know I'm watching. Let's be clear. It's the situational. It's not even the play itself. It is the situational awareness to each play call that baffles me. And every Saints fan agrees at this point that's watching the game objectively. Uh, I'll give you the best example by far from yesterday's game was, and it's all again, the decision-making is a whole here, Hunter. It's the decision-making ideologies. Let's go back. Let me take you back to yesterday. From my point of view, we're losing 17 to 10, right? And we, we were, it's a 29 yard field goal to make the game 17 to 13. Did you see this part of the game or no? Mm, maybe, maybe I, hold on. okay. Run it through me again. Cause I, I did a rookie this. kicker, right? A rookie oh, kicker misses yeah, 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 a 29 yeah. yard field goal. All right. So here's my thing. 
That's garbage. And our kicker's a problem in, in him of himself right now. But we're not even going to get on him because he's basically somehow the minuscule of the issues. The thing that's crazy is, so he misses that. We come back down, we're in position to kick another 29, 30-yard field goal. And yes, he's 0 of 2 on the day. He's playing like shit. But let me, now mind you, it's fourth and two. And there's like still six, seven minutes left in the game, whatever. Why don't we kick this one? Okay, we missed the last one. I get it. Let's let's make it 17-13 now. We're playing great defense all second half. Let's go. Let's get that ball back with a chance to win the game with a touchdown. Let's give ourselves momentum. So when we get this ball back, we can win the game with a touchdown, right? No, what do we do? We go for it on fourth and two. We throw a toss sweep outside, outside the numbers, but it's not a power sweep. It's just a base naked sweep, like no blockers, no pullers. You can't make this shit up. We get stuffed. But Alvin Kamara is such a legendary player. Man almost makes dudes miss. You know, Alvin slipping tackles almost makes it work, right? Well, no. So instead of making it 17-13 off of our mistake and then having a chance to go win the game, we so we get the ball back then being down 17-10. to 10. We get into the red zone again. What do we do? We don't score. It's been Derek Carr's MO his whole life, unfortunately, playing the NFL. I've known this when he came to the Saints. It's not changing on the Saints, unfortunately. We struggle as a team, and Derek Carr himself struggles in the red zone. By far the biggest issue with this team. And like I'm saying, there's a myriad of issues, bro. There's a myriad of issues. And what makes it funny is we're saying, yeah, why it's so frustrating is because they are on paper a good team. But you take all this foolery, you mix it in, they're a mid team. That's the results you're getting. They're mid because of outside forces, not what they have inside. That's what makes it way more sickening. Know who is mid that was supposed to be horrible? The Texans. Who? And that's the thing is, you could really tell it's the coaching that is really elevating this team. Boom. A, a team, a, something that I have kind of an issue with. I mean, not an issue. It's just like, do they hate John Mechie? He's like not involved in the game. Like, I don't know if he's not playing well. Like, I don't know what's going on, especially with Tank Dell out. I think it's just the reacclimation process, though. From yeah, the I sense of like he sense. missed so much with the way, you know, with the and lingo of how yeah. they change things. And it could like how if they're comfortable with if we audible it when he's in the game, are we sure that he's going to know every single one of these plays in the check? Like, are we sure it's kind of I think it just comes down to a safety thing. They want to make sure he really knows the offense. They don't want to throw him to the wolves where he's going to lose confidence because he doesn't. So I don't think it comes from a place of malice. I just think it comes from a place of like. It's a safety thing. It's a very safe thing, especially with how serious what he was dealing with was, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, is there anything else you really want to touch on Houston? I mean, they've been, I think, one of the biggest surprises in the NFL. CJ Stroud finally threw his first interception. But, I mean, like, he only had it put up 200 yards, two touchdowns, and then they went for 120 on the ground. Like, this team is winning any way they can right now. Side note, and it's not his fault. That was a fake-ass interception. He really does not know the feeling of throwing an interception yet. He threw the interception on paper. He got the ball back literally right where the, he was before, and he got a fresh set of downs. So it really felt like he got a penalty that reset the oh, set of downs. because they fumbled it so, away, yeah. Yeah, it's like, so I... He doesn't know the he doesn't know the interception feeling yet, which is good for him. Fuck it. Yeah. He got out of the way without even having to know how it feels. Obviously, he does. You get my... I'm just being funny. But besides that, what I really wanted to say is, look, the reality of the situation is, if you're a Texans fan, man, be happy with this. Love this. This is best case scenario for you guys. I'm happy for you guys, man. I love seeing Nico Collins come out and completely make my take what I thought he was going to be. I love seeing Nico come out and be in the receiver I knew he could be. I love seeing CJ anticipate being confident where he wants to put the ball. 
CJ is just by far the most confident rookie QB right now. It's not even close. CJ is looks like him. He, what I pointed out to a lot of Bears fans yesterday is that I'm seeing, and it was like a side note, but it was like the difference in how he processes pressure right now versus Justin. It's like he just, he anticipates, lets it rip. If you're a Texans fan, man, you got to love what you're seeing the rookie year. And let me be clear, behind a pretty mid-ski O-line, pretty mid-ski O-line. So it, you got a lot to work with where they're going to keep adding better receivers. You're working with a more veteran-based receiving core right now. Man, if you're a Texans fan, let me tell you, you're in great territory. All right, so let's move into our next game. Man, oh, man. Are the Raiders a good team, or is New England just horrible? Yeah, let me start this off. Let me just go hot, and we'll kind of retouch on what we just touched on, but I'm kidding when I say this. But look, I'll, again, as a Saints fan, no, they're fraudulent, the the, the Raiders, because the, pay, the Patriots made the Saints look like um, the Eagles last year. Sure enough. No, no. It has everything to do with the fact that the Patriots at the moment are a completely incompetent mess. How do I picture myself saying this with while Belichick is still the coach? I don't know. It doesn't even make any sense. That's what's funny. But yeah, yeah sure enough. And again, if you're a Raiders fan, let me tell you too, from my point of view also, hey, enjoy these weeks. Enjoy the weeks where you just, where you know your team isn't even that special, but they got to look like a much better team than they were. You got to enjoy those weeks. But at the end of the day, yeah, the reality situation is from my point of view, this was one of the hardest games to watch this week because you just know you're watching two teams that are in a very bleak identity crisis. And that's really just all I have to say with, without letting you introduce your points also. It's just two teams in an identity crisis, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess my thing is like, I look at it like this, like, you know the Raiders aren't going to keep winning. I'm kind of glad they keep winning. Add another W there, get away from those picks, get away from the early picks. But it's also like, in my opinion, like, New England's over. Like, there's no coming back, like, from this. Like, they have to completely blow it up. This doesn't even feel like a Bill Belichick team. The continuity is there. You can sense it. You can feel it in the defense when they play. Like, they are not bought into what is going on right now. And I've never, ever, ever seen this with the New England team. Even when they had Cam, even when they, even early years of Mac Jones, like, even if they weren't as good with Brady, like, they had that feel to them. New England just does not have that feel to them this year. And it really leads the question, like, is it really a possibility that they could be moving on from Bill Belichick? The more likely situation, hopefully they bring in a GM and Bill is the coach. But, like, there's so much that has to happen here for them to become, like, a decent team. Like, it's almost just worth it to blow it up. You might as well blow it up. Well, so, no, I'm glad you brought this up because what I've – so I've been observing, and I'm sure everybody has, and, and it's like I almost don't know how to feel about this because – let me preface it. I, do I think that this is true? No. I'm just saying, again, from what I'm observing, when you're watching Belichick on the sideline when the team completely sells, like I'm talking about, you know that exact moment I'm talking about, where the Patriots officially just blew the game, or they officially, the game's way too far out of reach, everybody in the stadium is realizing it, he's realizing it, and the camera pans to him, right? And I just feel like it just doesn't remind me of like vintage Bill, like no. like malice in his face, like, oh my God, we just blew this game. And also, let me be clear, on the other hand, I know there's plenty of times, too, where you almost can't even see it because he, he's so good at keeping it on the inside until he's going to let his guys have it. But it's like, I don't get that vibe. Like, it's like how I used to. I just think it's almost like it looks like he cares in his eye a little less than he used to, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, this is I, what I, makes it even more, like, heartbreaking if you were, if you know, if you're a Patriots fan. It's sort of like, is, is anybody even as bought in as things we were used to be? 
I don't like, think so. I think he knows it's fucked. I think ownership knows it's fucked. And the, on the other side of things with the Raiders, it's just kind of like you're almost doing yourself a disservice by winning because this is not like a winning football team. Like, I, here's my thing, though. Their defense, for how bare bones it is, has been playing so much better. Like, Max Crosby might be one of the top five, top ten Defensive players in the NFL. Like, he is ridiculous. Josh Jacobs looks back to form. Michael Mayer starting to perform. Very let down with Tyree Wilson. I Just not really looking that well. Especially with Max Crosby on the other end of the line, you would think he'd be able to generate a little bit more uh, pressure. But also, like, something I want to point out with, like, with how dominant Devontae Adams is at this age, and we know how good he is, they don't target him like a superstar. Like, it really looks like Jacoby Myers has really taken over. Not not taken over, like, it's just like, he really looks like the main, like, whether they're doubling Devontae, but like, Jacoby Myers looks great. And my thing is, like, why would Devontae want to stay here if there's no long-term answer at QB? No, exactly. That's why, and again, whenever I bring this up, I say this every time, but it's true. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like this far-fetched notion that just because that it was Devontae's team when he was young, that he might, you know, and, and that he wanted to come here. I get it. I get that. But that, dude, these guys are adults, man, and they also have priorities and things they want to do in their life. Look, if, if things aren't going his way down in Vegas, he's not just going to stay there or want to stay there because that's what he had wanted at one point. Things change, man. Like well, he went there I to think, play with Derek Carr, and they shipped him off. Right. Like from 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 his point of view now, I don't think it's the same ideology he had when he first came in about how the situation was. And if you if you, again, if all I'm trying to say really is, if you don't think that it's a potential possibility in his head that he wants to get out of town asap, I just don't think you're looking at the situation objectively. No, no, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say on this game. It was really ugly. Jimmy G is hurt again. Like, that's the thing, too, is, like, he can't even get in rhythm with his starting quarterback because he's hurt. He's got a concussion. He, he had a back injury. Like, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I mean, do you have anything left to say on this game, or otherwise I'm good to move on? No, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on. Just All two right. teams in an identity crisis. Arizona at the Rams. This is this game, even with the score with the way it was, like it, in my opinion, it was a lot closer than you would think. So, like, here's my thing is I don't even have a question for this game because it's like, oh, actually, you know what? I'll ask this question Are the Rams a sneaky playoff threat if they make the playoffs? Like, could they beat a team? Could they win a playoff game this year if they made it to the playoffs? No, for sure. They, I think kind of like, in a sense, it's almost like that Eagles game. I think it's almost like my comparing point. Because let me be clear, I don't even think they played that good that game. That's kind of my point that I'm trying to make is, you know, they showed you they can still hang with big dogs for sure, even when they're not playing at their best. So I think they're, they're like the prime candidate for one of those teams that sneaks in with 9-10 wins, you know, and you're kind of like, what's going on? They're looking like a fraud, but they strike one out on you. You know, it's they're they're in that very weird situation, but I 100% think that they're in that uh, in that uh, stratosphere. I agree. I think they could sneak out a win, and and something that I want to point out is like 
the way the Rams like evolved their skill players, like Cooper Cup, right? Awesome. But then you look at it like Puka's played well. Tutu's played well. Kyron Williams has played well. Like McVay has done such a good job where it's like almost like if a player doesn't work in his system, it's kind of like, is the player really that good? Like Cam Akers, we talked about it over and over again. They tried to trade him. He just wasn't working. You get Kyron Williams, and it works like that. Like, my thing is, like, if a player doesn't work in McVay's system, I don't know if they're necessarily, like, all that they're made out to be. Just because I really trust McVay. And I think it's shown that also, like, Cooper Cup hasn't lost his step. Oh, absolutely not. And side note, too, it's like, I think we'll use Tutu Atwell in this case. Not even Puka. We'll use Tutu as our uh, case study. Because, again, when he had to get not even majority reps, but second, third majority reps in this offense, you know, before Coop came back, you know, first, you know, let's go first four weeks, you know, six receptions, 119 yards, seven catches, 77 yards, four catches, 50 yards, a touchdown, you know, five catches, 24 yards, like the targets. And then the last two weeks, only, you know, two, two catches and then one catch, you know, but the thing is, we know, I think my point is two, two still is a good receiver. The point is, yes. When you're a good receiver in this offense and you're actually getting targets, you're going to expose yourself as either a fraud or a good receiver, and there's basically no in between. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about receivers, something that's crazy too is like for on the Cardinals side of the ball, ten different Cardinals were targeted in this game, and I, like I said earlier, like I think the game was a lot closer than the score would indicate. The Cardinals were in this game for a very, very long time. And yes, no. 100%. I, I think a thing also like where the Cardinals lacked is the run game. I think they really saw like the effect of not having James Conner. Um, I really don't have much to say because outside of that, like the Cardinals played like exactly how you'd expect them to play. The Rams took advantage of when the Cardinals folded and they won the game because I think McVay is a better coach. So like, I think it really comes down to that. I think obviously the Rams have a better defense, but it's just like this game was not like a lot of like people who don't like watch every game or like try to like keep up with every team. I think they probably look at this game and like, oh, this is garbage. This was actually a pretty good game. No, oh, it, it definitely was. And I think, yeah, like I want to say too about the Cardinals, man, you know, the, the reality of the situation has come to it was kind of like we're evaluating how to feel about them. The, fi- the, the finale is in. They are a competitive Bad, like bad team for sure. Bad team, but it's best case scenario because them showing they can be competitive with literally the bare bones scraps that the Gannon is basically working with in terms of what they, what other teams are playing at these positions. Look, man, you know, as what I'm trying to say is Gannon has these dudes, not, and not, let me, not, let me be clear. I'm not saying anybody's trash. I'm not saying anybody's a, even a bad player. I'm just saying with, for what Gannon is working with compared to other coaches right now across the board is as a whole with as a whole roster weight. The fact that he has them looking this competitive every single week when they still have almost basically every position group to kind of refigure figure out. And then you got the X factor of Kyler. Are we going to hold on to him? Do we move on? Like the, the Cardinals have all the cards in play and the cards just become even bigger. The deck gets bigger. If you suck, stay competitive, show you can compete in every game, but you lose because you want the, you want that extra deck in the card of like, okay, we're going to draft really high on top of this with the other draft pick that we got. Like it's perfect situation to just stay competitive and lose. That's what you want to see if you're a Cardinals fan this year. Yep. Shout out the Cardinals. I, everyone was really doubting them coming into the year. Um, moving into our next game. Wow. 
This was not a game I ever thought we would be talking about in this aspect. The Jets come out on top versus Philly. Um, the Eagles fall short. And I guess this is my thing is, okay, remember earlier this year how we talked about how, like, the Eagles don't have that, like, continuity and fluidity that we felt last year? Do you think the Eagles get exposed against elite teams or elite units when they can't put it all together? It's just, you know, it's like, I'm not even going to say that yet. What I'm going to say is I think the consensus I've come to on this game was like, it's kind of like how we looked at almost like the 49ers one, you know, is it's like, Minus the fact that they, they, the, I would, you know, say the Eagles were playing at much, much better health, near full health. So it's different, but you got the same in the sense of like the team is playing good and they just played a bad game. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of too much of the future. I think there's still going to be a good team that's get, a really good team that's going to win most of their games. And they fell really flat this game. But again, the reality situation is, is it's like they also beat themselves, which is a good thing to be in versus they didn't let the Jets beat them. I mean, they beat themselves. You know, they made way too many mistakes. They did way too many things you can't do. And then the pick at the end of the game, which should have been basically the pick six, even though it was you got for all intents and purposes, the pick six. That's what lost him the game. Right. 99 out of 100 times, Jalen is not going to do that. I have no clue what he was doing. He has probably no clue what he was doing. It's one of those moments. You look back and you're like, that just, it just happened. And you know what? Yeah. It either happens and you let it move forward and you ride it out and you say, that's not me. That's not us. Or you, you latch on and make it the identity, which is why I wanted to bring up side note. You saw they had like a players only meeting after this game where they uh, discussed accountability and stuff. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I get it. You want to, you love that. If you're a locker room, you love that. If you're a coaching staff, you want guys to be accountable. I'm just saying it's almost like if you know, I don't want them to, it's, don't, don't beat yourself up too much here. Eagles. It's like, you know, you're bound to lose a couple games a year and you know, you'd rather get them out of the way early in the year. So I just, I don't think it's too indicative of the future of the team. I agree. Can you, can you hear me? Okay. Does it sound the same? No. Yeah. You sound fine. Okay. One of my AirPods died. So I just want to make sure, but um, yeah, no, I think this honestly says more about the jets um, because if you really look at it, like, there's no way they should have been in this game. Like, I understand their defense should have kept them in. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, in terms of, like, scoring points, like, if Jalen Hurts doesn't make those mistakes, I think even if they just keep it on the ground the whole game and don't let Jalen throw, like, I still think the Eagles win this game because I you don't give the Jets offense extra opportunities. And, like, during the game, when when Bright when Brees scored that touchdown at the end, and the announcers were like, "Oh, someone's got to tell him you got to slide." In my opinion, I don't even think with all that time on the clock, the Eagles were winning. Like the Jets' defense was so dominant this game. It's like Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson showed out when they need to. Wilson, Garrett, or Zach Wilson didn't throw, didn't turn the ball over. Like the Jets did everything right in order to win against an elite opponent like this. And it shows like how good the Jets defense was. No, first of all, 1000% this and this linebacker unit, you know, I'll say especially I was struggling with the word there, especially Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley, man. Oh, they're like an all world unit right now. And then you got Quinn on the D line, just eating every single week. This defense is an elite unit, and that was without either of the starting corners yesterday. I mean, they're just the way they are coached, they are a ferocious unit. You know, that's what you, you got. You just have got to love it if you're a Jets fan. But then I want to, you know, shuffle over real quick too to the offense is what it is. 
I love that Zach's hanging in there doing his thing. I'm not going to talk too much about the offense because the reality situation is we know what the, Jets, what the Jets offense is, right? There's not too much to talk about until A-Rod comes back. You know, Zach's got to hold on and then keep developing once A-Rod comes back. And I think that they're, I'm not even all the way in or out on Zach yet. Zach's just, he's still a mystery. I th- he still needs more time to sit, but I like the growth that I'm seeing. I still don't think that he's made like a jump. You get what I'm saying. He, Zach's in weird territory. We know exactly what the Jets offense is, irregardless. That's what, I'm not going to say too much about them. What I wanted to say is uh, back to the thing about the announcers and the Jets scoring at the end of the game. You know, call me crazy, bro. In what world would it make sense for the Jets who already basically struggle to score every single possession to not take the free points when their defense is playing how it plays? Because let's say hypotheticals. Let's say that they go down and then they fumble it. Or let's say that they go down and then when it's time to score, that they actually get stuffed up. Or let's say that hypotheticals gets your point. You leave too much time on the clock and you kick the field goal and then they go score anyways. When you're struggling to score and your offense is not playing good, you have to score when you have a chance. The fact that it was even in question to me was just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... I mean, that's how I feel. Some you, Even, like, and we'll get into this game later, but, like, the fucking Giants-Buffalo game. Like, bro, if you can't score, you don't get to choose like, when you're going to score. Yeah, and you could miss the kick. Like, if they missed the kick, could you imagine the headlines? Like, oh, like, bro, that, the, the too many people, it's always too, like, it's just too hindsight's 2020 type vibe. It's yeah. like, you know, dude, you, you got to, we got to play to win out here, man. Yep. And then just last remark, this is either going to be a game that will stick with the Eagles or they're going to bounce back next week and act like this game never happened. I'm leaning towards the second option for sure, though. I think they're going to I think they're going to make a big bounce back. All right. Moving into our next game. If. Detroit played San Francisco this coming week, do you think they have a chance to beat them? For sure. Okay. Like, I think uh, they would come match their energy for certain. And again, like I said, what they did to the Chiefs weeks one, I said weeks, you know what I mean? What they yeah. did to the Chiefs that week one, oh, I'm not counting them out against anybody. I think also, like, I'll just say my part on the Bucks. I think their defense played okay. I mean, holding the Lions at 20 points is impressive. I think they were kind of flat overall, and I feel like this was the Lions game to win, but to only put up two field goals, that either says more about the Bucks' offense or that Detroit's defense is actually playing lights out right now. And if they continue to play this way, I don't think they – I think they're in every game, and I think they can beat every single team in the NFL. Um, Goss, top 10 QB. They dominated the pass game. They only had 40 yards on the ground. Um, and they're running like what Ben Johnson is doing is something special. And like I said, if the Lions continue to play like this on defense, I don't know if there's any game or any team they can play where they don't have a chance to win. I mean, I think besides the 49ers, the Eagles, and maybe the Dolphins, possibly the Bills, like what game are they not favored in? You know? Nope. And again, like we said, I think the Lions were the ones we were hottest on with our takes at the early part of the year. But we said it, man, like they're they're built everywhere where it's like there's not really a weakness position group. That's that's what you expect from teams like this. You know, like this is what we expected from them. Yeah. No, I mean, do you have anything else to say on this game? I don't really think there's much. I think we kind of all knew the out the the outcome like before the game even started. Yeah, I would say, you know, again, all I really want to say is it's kind of like 
the Bucks are definitely also very much in. I, I got to give them a little bit of a, an apology where I thought they were going to be much worse than they are this year. You know, they've shown me the Bucks can compete for sure. But again, throw them into that same category as so many other teams where you got to like a lot about the team. But then it's like we even asked the question last week, like, is Baker the long term guy? I think with his inconsistency, it's just that's what it comes down to. He's just never consistent enough that you want to say for sure, like, that's the guy that's going to bring us to Lombardi. And it's looking like that's probably going to keep being the narrative, right? Like, it's probably just going to keep being the narrative. Uh, we'll see, though. You know, could he shut me up and completely go crazy these next, you know, whatever, these next however many weeks? But it's like, is it likely? And no. And that's why I'm going to bring it up here while I have a chance. I feel you. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, all right, moving into our last game. Oh, wait, hold on. It didn't flip over our cameras. Hold on, let me change this. All right, there we go. Going to Buffalo. Wow, what the hell was this game? The Giants had this in the back. I mean, here's basically my main points from the game. I don't really have much to say other than the Giants blew this game with the time management, and I honestly think this has a lot of issue to do with coaching. I think the Giants have a discipline issue. I think there's a lot of penalties. They don't get things done on time. The time management is bad. I, I really liked what they did on defense today, what Wink Martindale did on defense, but you could just tell as a whole, like, this team is not, like, connected. But I think this says more about the Bills than it does to Giants because we kind of have known what the Giants have been this year. Bro, the Bills are one of the most inconsistent top teams that I have seen. It is so bad. And, and honestly, Josh Allen has played pretty good, but I think he has some of the blame for this. Like, this game should have never been close. If the Giants didn't mishandle that at halftime, they would have won this game because they could have just kicked the field goal at the end. Well, yeah. Okay. There's so there's so many things to start with. And this is why well, I'm going to say this, you know, and again, if you listen to the show, you know, this, I normally am definitely on the Bills side of things. You know, I got some love for the bills. I feel for their history, you know, seeing them win a Lombardi, they would be by far one of the best teams to see do it where you're like, you know what? They're a lovable, you know, if my team's not doing good, I'm definitely going to root for them. You get my point. But this was one of those days where, from my perspective, it's like the Giants are so far the underdog. The Giants playing with the backup. You know, I love me some Tyrod. It's like, let's see the Giants pull off this upset, right? I was definitely on the Giants bandwagon for this game. We were and, talking about it. We were saying we had a feeling about it. Yeah, no, like this was one of those really, really just absolutely atrocious five games. And sure enough, it delivered on everything. But then again, I don't know where. So, so the, the run before the half, what makes it such a disturbing play was you know, if you're Tyrod and in whatever the case was, if the audible is true and he audible that he checked that, you know, if you're Tyrod, you knew that if you didn't get in that end zone, like that was going to the hat for him to make that ballsy of a decision, you know, like really getting the reins for the first time, man, that's an all time stinker of a decision from him. But then number two, we'll go back to it because it's like, if they just had those even three points before the half, not even a touchdown, they very likely win this game on a game-winning field goal. And we're sitting here saying that the Giants won this game 15-14 to because they wouldn't have had to go for it at the end. They could have just kicked the field goal. You know, if ands, and buts, but you get my point. So, you know, this is the ultimate frustrating game because, and I think the main thing I want to tie it into, and then I'll go to the Bills here for a sec, is like, look, if you're a Giants fan, this era has absolute Joe Judge vibes tied to it so fucking bad that you've got to be sitting there just absolutely enraged. 
because the arc of their careers so far has been the exact same. You know, if you remember, bro, Joe Judge came in, fooled the shit out of us. Joe Judge, everybody's on the train. You know, Joe Judge, man, he's got him disciplined. He's got him rolling. He's got the team and identity. What happened after that first year? The wheels fell off, brrr, ripped off the train, train derailing. It's looking like a spitting image right now from the Giants. You know, paid the wrong guys. Man, the situation is bleak. We'll move over to the Bills because I don't want to rail on the Giants. It's a bleak situation. Uh, the Bills, on the other hand, you know, you got to love the fact that you have a good team. But then, like I was going to say, too, well, could we have chose a better time, bro, to post what we posted last week where they are a great team that just does not show up every week? They're a great team that picks and chooses when they want to show up. And if you're a great team, that can't really happen. They're a great team, but are they a great team that's going to be able to go the distance? That's the only narrative around the Bills at this point, bro, because they pick and choose when they want to show up, and it's just not a recipe to go lift the Lombardi. That's really yeah. what I kind of got to leave it at because I could sit here and say about all the things I love about them, but it doesn't matter because you don't get that same team every week. Mm-mm. No, you don't. It, it's frustrating to see them. And, you know, they're favorites every year, and they always start out super hot, and it's just like, they can never just keep it up throughout the season. I think that's the reoccurring theme with the Bills. Like, I'm sorry, but I just can't pick them to win the Super Bowl. They do this every year. So it's just, like, very frustrating. I mean, I don't really have much to say other than, like, this game shouldn't have even been a game. Um, but, yeah, no, that's that's pretty much all I had for this game. Do you have anything else? or? No, absolutely not. And, uh, yeah, again, we just gotta, I think it's, it's a disservice to even say any more about this game. I'm with you. It's like, let's leave it at the truth. The truth is that the Giants are a very, very bad, bleak situation team, and the Bills almost found a way to give them the game because they just cannot show up consistently. It's a joke. Bills, please figure it out. All right, you want to give us the outro? Let us know. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, of course. We already know, man. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Thanks for giving us a try on this new, you know, we're giving new things a shot. We're we're glad to have y'all around. We're going to keep it going. You know, in the future, you know, come through, drop some questions in the chat. You know, we're always here to chop it up. We appreciate y'all sticking through and y'all have a great rest of your night, man. Come back around, drop a like, drop a sub. We appreciate y'all.